podcast. We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Great. Well, you know, we, we were thinking as a, as a team... Um, what God are you saying to us as we step into 2022? And there's a real sense and a conviction that, you know, we start a Christmas with our eyes on Jesus and we want to continue with a focus on Jesus as we step into this new year. Um, I know in my own faith, that is where I need to center myself. So we thought it'd be brilliant to spend the next six weeks or so up to half term, really digging deep into um, the words, the life, the actions and the, the miracles of Jesus and uh, so we are going to do that, and um, I'm really excited about this topic and this theme. So we've called it um, the Book of Mark and Living the Way of Jesus in the World. And just as was so powerfully brought out through some of these prophetic words, you know, we're not called to live our lives following Jesus in our own little bubble, but we're called to take the good news with us into every sphere of influence that we carry it, into the places that we do life. So that is what this is about, and I'm excited about being in- encouraged and challenged again. So one of the things I want to just say is um, we, I don't know about you, but I've read bits of the Bible many times, but sometimes I don't always sit and read a book all the way through. Um, maybe some of you guys are super diligent on that, but I sometimes need a bit of encouragement to get me there. So we thought it'd be a great challenge. Here it is, Open Heaven 2. Would you join the Mark January Challenge and read through the whole book of Mark this month together? Anybody up for that? There's a few. We're going we're gonna to recruit more by the end. Don't worry. So um, what we want to do is probably post some like uh, guides and reads and stuff like that that you can read along with. Um, now, there's only 16 chapters, and there's more than 16 days left in January. So even if you miss a day, you could still do a chapter a day-ish and get through the whole of the book. So I just want to put that challenge out there for you. And if you're a keen bean and you want to read it twice, then you could probably manage that before the end of the month as well. Um, it is a brilliant read, and um, we're going to sort of unpack why we, what, what some of the content of that is as we go through this morning. So, if you have a Bible with you, um, I haven't got any slides this morning, guys, so it's just your ears and eyes on me um, to read through this together. So, verse 1 of Mark 1, I'm just going to read this first portion out. If you've got a Bible and you want to open it, and this is good stuff. So, it says this, right at the start. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. I'll just read that again. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Right at the start, the writer of the book of Mark, which was a chap called Mark, um, wants the reader to know that Jesus is the promised Messiah. The one that the Hebrew nation has been longing for, praying for, waiting for, for centuries. The one that's been prophesied about through scripture. This is him. And more than that, he is God's son. He's not just some messianic person. He is a messianic man and he is a messianic God. He is fully man and fully God. This is really good news. And that is what is being conveyed in this book. It's one to be believed and celebrated. Now, Mark, as you probably already know, if you've read the Bible at all, is one of four Gospels that we find in the New Testament. And each of us gives a unique window into the life of Jesus. Although they're written at different times by different authors with a slightly different 
goal, purpose, and audience in mind, they all share this common goal to announce the good news of King Jesus and his coming. And this really becomes a very clear central theme throughout the book of Mark. And as as you read it, I'm sure you'll catch that. Now, just to kind of catch up on the word gospel, we kind of hear that. It's in there. It sounds maybe religious words to us or to our culture. But gospel was actually a really commonly used word in the first century. And it described an important announcement. So it was the same word that the Roman Caesars would use when declaring decrees or things to their subjects across the empire. And actually, it predated that. It also was a word that was used in the Old Testament to describe the liberation of God's people from exile or from oppression. I love that. So the gospel has a deep, deep meaning in the culture and the time. And so that's why it is, by the first century Christians, the gospel carries real weight. And then elsewhere, Christian philosophers and scholars describe gospels as memoirs of Jesus' life. I love that. Or their histories or investigations. So this this genre of scripture that we're digging into, a gospel, has many different meanings. But the kind of the, the, the heart of it is that it is written that we might learn from and imitate Jesus. That we might learn from and imitate Jesus. So many of us know this, but it's really good, isn't it, to come afresh to why is this written and what's the importance of it? Now, Mark is written slightly differently to some of the other Gospels. Um, One of the key things you'll notice is um, in Matthew and Luke, the ones we often read out at Christmas, there is a whole stack of information about Jesus' birth. Now, you'll notice in the book of Mark that that doesn't even feature. There's no mention of stars. There's no mention of wise men. Bethlehem, it's not in there. So we cut straight into some action in this book. And actually, in the book of Mark as well, it's quite interesting. Another theme that we're going to pick up and you'll see is that his disciples are pretty much confused all the time. They don't really get it. So if you're somebody who ever gets a little confused by Jesus, a little bit confused by some of the words he says or the things that happen, you're in good company with the disciples, it pretty much takes them the whole of the book to really get to any point of revelation on who Jesus really is. They're getting glimpses all the way through, but they don't really land there. So um, just want to, as you're reading and this month, just kind of have those sort of thoughts in the back of your mind. So the story does jump straight into um, Jesus as an adult. He's grown up and he is on the scene. And this is the start of the, uh, the scene that we find ourselves in, in this kind of the beginning of the gospel. It is in Galilee. And John the Baptist has made his appearance. And in verses three and four, we can read this together. It says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. So John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So really, uh, John was an incredible character. If you read into the the scripture, you'll find that he was a little bit odd. God loves to use odd people, which I'm really pleased about. So whenever I find myself in that category, I know that I'm validated and and, uh, qualified. And um, John has this particular role to go ahead of the Messiah. And John, at the end of when he's first sort of seen and people saying, well, who are you? Are you the Messiah? He says, it's not me. There's one more powerful than me that is going to arrive who I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. So, um, and then as if by magic, Mark's narrative straight 
brings us straight to the person of Jesus, who appears right here on the banks of the Jordan to be baptized by John. So um, I just want us to be freshly impacted as we read, because Mark's writing style is really direct. Uh, It describes the events in Jesus' life with a real pace and an energy. And as we come to this scripture, I just want you to kind of catch that, you know, as we read it, just sort of there's, there's something in this that pulls us into the story. And you can imagine being like right there with them in, this, in the action, kind of front row seats to what's happening. You see, I think in the book of Mark, Jesus' character and his personality and his passion for this purpose and plan in his life really jump out of the text. So I hope you can catch some of that as we read it um, over this next month. Now, just to say Mark's original audience was actually the first century church. And things were not necessarily going particularly well for those guys. They were facing persecution. At the time of writing, this was a few years after Jesus had died and been risen from the dead. And these people were actually living out their lives and willing to give their lives as they follow Jesus. So the words of this extraordinary man, Jesus, are relayed from Mark. And actually, he is believed to have been Peter's secretary. So... um, he is identified in Acts as, as the Mark there. And so there's, he was not one of the original disciples, but he came alongside one of the original 12. And it's most likely that he actually crafted this gospel from the first-hand accounts of Peter. So if you could imagine Peter sat by the fire, Mark pulling up his papyrus and saying, come on then, Peter, tell me how it was. How awesome would that have been? So we're getting fresh, fresh stories and like the lived out understanding of who Jesus was that that Peter experienced and is passing on to Mark. So I love that. And I think it does come through in the scripture. And also Mark kind of came alongside Paul. And so between Peter and Paul, Mark is so well placed to just capture the heart of the first century church. These guys right on the cutting edge of what it means to follow Jesus at these early stages of the church. And I think you really catch the passion that Mark has for Jesus through it. His writing seems to sort of like, um, you know, take snapshots of his own amazement of wonder as he's sort of discovering Jesus as this revolutionary, radical man who has an agenda. The man whose humble, compassionate response to people he meets is so evident. And we see that Jesus is not just sitting back, but he has a confrontational and um, sometimes unpredictable behavior as he engages with the people around him. And Jesus, not only that, he's bringing authoritative, revelatory teaching and miraculous power to demonstrate who he is. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I need to catch some of this every time I read the scriptures. I need to know that Jesus was not just some guy. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the King of Heaven who came to earth with a plan and a purpose. It is good news. And um, just a kind of a helpful way to read the book of Mark, it can kind of be sliced up into three acts. So if you're a bit of a thespian in the room and you like your amdram, this might help you engage with the text a little bit. So I'm just going to kind of outline those three, um, three different acts for you. So um, the first one, and each has a slightly different theme. The first is um, chapters 1 to 7. And this is looking at um, the theme of who, is, who was Jesus. Um, the second act from um, chapters 8 to 10 capture up with what has God done through Jesus that changes everything. And then acts, Act 3, which is in chapters 10 to 16, 
looks at the kind of the, the response of what does it mean to follow Jesus. So those are kind of like the, the headline figures. So that first act, just to dig into that a little bit more, takes place in Galilee. It's Jesus' home. And um, Mark is looking at that whole thing of who Jesus is in his writing. Um, and Jesus uh, begins with his public ministry with a powerful summary of his message and purpose. And he says this, Jesus says, as he steps out there, and the first words of recording is saying, the kingdom has come. That is what he's saying. And um, now the observant among you might have just remembered that that is also the theme of our weekend away. So we're so on trend here. It's amazing. Now, Jesus' baptism, the affirmation he gets from the Father and the Holy Spirit, then the temptations in the desert all move really fast in about two sentences. And then he comes straight into choosing the disciples. And they're hand-picked followers who are responding to that call. I don't know how many of you watched The Chosen over the last year or two. I've really enjoyed kind of seeing that process of Jesus calling people out, the value and the worth and the destiny that he sees in each of these people, and he invites them to come. And, you know, we are also the chosen. Each one of us here has been chosen by Jesus. And uh, we get to be the hand-picked ones who respond to that invitation. And it's in Mark 1.17. It says, come follow me. I just want to say that again for some of you right at the start of 2022. You might need to just let that sink into your heart, into your spirit. Jesus says, come, follow me. I know I need to hear that resonating in my heart and in my spirit again. And Jesus then proceeds to bring some signs of the kingdom. This isn't just a a set of words and this isn't like some kind of ego trip for Jesus. Jesus wants to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And he starts healing the sick and releasing people through the forgiveness of sins. I love it. Jesus comes straight away to liberate people from the things that are holding them back. And so his actions and his words are met with some pretty different reactions. It'd be good for you to, as you read it, pick up on what are those. Some are joyous and delighted or bewildered and kind of unsure. And some are absolutely enraged. The religious leaders of the time, it is absolutely, um, it's, it's blasphemy to them that he is doing this. So I wonder what your first response was to Jesus when you first heard about him. Maybe you can just think back to that moment when you first had a a sense of knowing who Jesus was or hearing about him for the first time. And Maybe this year you might be longing to encounter Jesus and discover who he is for the first time. Or there are people that you know in your family or friendship groups who you could invite to discover Jesus. And I'm just going to do a shameless plug for our Alpha course, which is starting on the 7th of February On Monday evenings here in St. Peter's, it's going to be a very tasty affair with some desserts and coffee, followed by a video and then some discussion. So maybe right at the beginning of 2022, you've got some people that you would love to invite to that course. Maybe you want to get involved in helping running some of that course with us, or there's just people you want to invite along. So have a little think and um, see what God says to you. There's flyers going to be available at the back. Now, in this act, this first act, Jesus uses a load of parables as well, right at the end of it. And it's used to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. Stories that really lodge in people's imaginations and hearts. And um, often left leaving people wondering at the meaning and questioning their own motivations. And Jesus is really happy sometimes, isn't he, to leave us with some mystery. And mystery leads us 
into adventure with God. It leads us into asking those questions, those investigations. What do you really mean, Jesus? What is that all about? And I'm really pleased that we follow a God who has some mystery. Because if it was just A plus B plus C, um, we, we would just find ourselves really kind of dry and, and unimpressed. <laughs> but actually the mystery of God leads us into something beyond ourselves. So there is mystery in those parables. I love them. And they are quite strange as well. So I want to ask you a question. What are the mysteries that you are grappling with in 2022? Oh, freedom in Christ might lead you into some of that as well. That was nice. Um, what are some of the mysteries that you're coming into this year asking? Maybe they're questions about faith. Maybe they're questions about God's plan for your life. Maybe things that he said to you that hasn't yet come into fruition. And it's okay to hold those tensions and bring it to Jesus. I just encourage you to do that. Maybe there's some scriptures and promises that you've been sitting on from the age of 12 that you haven't yet seen happen. That you're saying, come on God, now would be good. It's good to grapple with some of those mysteries and questions. And um, we're going to do some activation after this. So I'm just going to like, you know, just trying to stir you a little bit. What is God saying and doing in you? Where are you a little bit dissatisfied with what God's doing in you so far? It's okay to bring that to God and say, come on, Holy Spirit, would you stir me again? So do ask the Holy Spirit some from Revelation as you read the book of Mark and um, as we take this journey together and see what the Holy Spirit says. So that was Act 1. Act 2 is in chapters 8 to 10. It's a shorter act, and it's set on the way to Jerusalem. So it's all about journeying, and um, it's all a lot of interesting conversations. And Jesus is talking with the disciples, um, and they're discussing who he really is. And there's different opinions amongst the disciples about who he is. Some would see him as a conquering Messiah who's coming with a sword to destroy the Romans. Others are saying... They're not quite sure what he is. Others are, are, are sort of doubting him. Um, but there's an incredible moment, and I love this, where Jesus takes three of his most trusted disciples, and they, he gives them a glimpse of his glory. Uh, they go up a mountain, and he's transfigured. So that's a technical term, which means very bright and shiny, I think. Essentially, the glory of God is revealed in Jesus. And for that moment, the disciples don't just see some uh, carpenter's son from Galilee, um, but they see Jesus in his glory. And um, it's a really exciting passage. So there's Jesus glowing brilliant white. And then alongside him rocks up Moses and Elijah, who are also happen to encounter God, if you read the scriptures, on that same mountain in their lifetimes. I love that. So they turn up on this mountain with Jesus, and that would have communicated, and Mark is, is really clear on this, you know, he would be communicating to a Jewish audience that would have said, whoa, Elijah and, um, and, uh, and Moses would represent um, the Old Testament covenants and promises. Um, and so Jesus is embodying and fulfilling the prophetic promises to the Israelites right there. So I love that. I love the way that God uses images and history to bring his message through. And then on into Act 2, Jesus is teaching on the kingdom and how to do kingdom living. And it's laid out for us. And Jesus starts to challenge the behavior and the thinking of the day. Um, they were very religious in those times. They got stuck in rules. And the Pharisees loved to put more rules on the top of the people living there. But Jesus is saying how you should live with one another. And he starts talking about really practical things like marriage and parenting, status and money. 
And uh, as we go into this season and this whole theme, we're going to be unpacking some of those discipleship issues. They're so important for us right here and now, um, just as they were for those guys back then. And Jesus is inviting the disciples to take that posture of a a learner. And that's what disciple means, to learn. So I just want to encourage you, as you come to these scriptures afresh, just say, Jesus, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? What do I think I know, but I don't know, and I need to know again? And then just as Jesus pursued those 12 disciples and called them in their ordinary daily lives, he is calling us again to follow him and to trust him with radical obedience, inviting the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us to be like him. Now, here's the challenge. However, even with Jesus in their presence, the disciples didn't quite get it, as I said before. In Mark, they're the most confused disciples you'll find in the, in the Bible, in the Gospels. Um, and I, I was reflecting on this as we're preparing and thinking, do you know, actually, that speaks to us too. You know, sometimes we are confused. Sometimes we do not know. And I want to encourage you that if you are feeling a sense of uncertainty and doubt about who Jesus is for you right now, that this is a moment for you to receive again God's encouragement, God's help, God's hope and God's faith to trust in him again right at the start of this year. So that we've done Acts 1 and 2 and the final act in Act 3 is stage is in the stage is set in Jerusalem. And um, this is really uh, an exciting chapter part of the uh, the book where we have Jesus' triumphant entry into the city and he then goes about his kingdom work and it, and you can see the urgency to Jesus and his actions. He is keen to get the message out there to demonstrate his power and to prophetically declare who he is. And what he has come to do. And still the disciples don't get it because it's like riddles to them. But Jesus starts to assert his authority. One of my favorite bits in the Bible is where Jesus goes into the temple in Mark. And he turns over the tables of the money changers. And he's saying, this is God's house and you've turned it into a den of robbers. And he's, he's claiming back God's plans and purposes and so just want to encourage you as you read that, like just see that Jesus brings his authority into the mix here. And he also sets up numerous clashes with the Jewish, the, the Jewish leaders. And, um, and Jesus is not intimidated by the religious elite. He's not intimidated by those who hold the power. And he calls out their hypocrisy with a real boldness publicly. And he challenges their heart motivations. Are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing this to look good? Or are you doing this because you love me? And, and this calls them into a place of fear. They, they fear his authority. So then we know that the story accelerates right into um, where Jesus comes to outwork what he was called to do. Where he, he gives himself for us. He is the suffering king. And um, we know that... Uh, as he, as he dies on the cross, that um, he made a way for us back to the Father. He took our sin on himself and he, and he demonstrates um, his power over death and sin through his death and then resurrection. And, you know, I just wanted to end on these acts, just talking about a final moment there. Um, where As Jesus dies, there's this moment where it's a Roman soldier observing Jesus' crucifixion. And it's recorded in Mark as he is actually the very first person who fully sees who Jesus is. And he says, surely this is the Son of God. 
That's the first time that's said in the whole of the gospel. And just resonating with what Louise shared earlier, you know, the gospel is not just for those that kind of already know him, the Jewish nation who are expecting the Messiah. The gospel and Jesus is for the whole world. And this is a beautiful little snapshot of that, is that Jesus came not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. And this is the first Gentile who recognizes Jesus as the Son of God. It's the beginning of the gospel going viral across the whole world. I love it. So we, we are kind of really dig into Mark in the next six weeks. I hope that's given you a little bit of a taste and a flavor of some of the things we're going to hit on. And we've got um, some really exciting titles that we're, we're digging into. So next week, Anita's going to take us into announcing revolution. So this is the revolution of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to bring as we step into chapter one in a bit more detail. And then we're going to look at Jesus demonstrating authority, revealing identity, challenging our allegiances, um, when he looks at the, what are the idols in our life, and then his transforming power, what the cross came to do, and finally inviting trust in him. So I'm really looking forward to this series because there's so much in Mark that we can glean and draw from and understand about Jesus. And it uncovers our fresh hope and faith for us to pursue Jesus, who is our hope, who is our faith, who is our life, and is our joy. So guys, we want to um, just kind of off the back of that moment of, of those key words where Jesus says right at the begin, beginning, come follow me to the disciples. I want to spend a little bit of time just listening to Jesus again. What is his call on our lives for this year? And something that we have done um, quite a few times and some of Stuart's a bit of practice is asking God for a word for ourselves for this year. What does God want to say to us that we can take into this year? What is the focus, the promise, or the invitation that he's giving me? And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit just now um, to come and speak to us and tell us a word for the year. Now, um, some of you have done this before, and you'll be like, that's fine. I'm already over this, Rich. I did it a week ago. Others you are like, well, I don't know what on earth you're talking about. That's okay. We're all in this together. And um, what we're going to do is just, um, just invite God to come and speak. We're going to give a bit of space, going to put some music on, and then we're going to put some words on the screen as well that might provoke your thinking, that might just spark something in you. And um, that might help you. If you're a visual person or words person, that might help you. Or if you're someone who just is inspired by Scripture, just encourage you to have your Bible there and just ask the Holy Spirit, where do you want to draw me? Maybe it's in the book of Mark. Maybe it's in some of the Scriptures you've been reading. And I just want to say the reason we do this is because a word for the year is really good at activating faith in us. It helps us to stay on course with God through the year. And it can discipline our thoughts. I know for me, rather than allowing the noise of life or worry to get in the way, actually when I look at that word again, when the pressure comes, it can actually switch my thoughts back to God's thoughts about me, not just my thoughts. And then also it reminds us to ask Father God for more revelation. You can say, well, a word's nice, Rich, but it doesn't really tell me the plan for the year. Well, I found that um, over the last year, my word for the year in 2021 um, was resilience. And I wrote it down. I, I wasn't quite sure what it was about. But as the year got harder and harder, <laughs> I came back to that word many times and said, thank you, God. You warned me and you helped me and you equipped me to keep going. And it really 
became alive for me around about uh, the middle of the summer. So I just want to encourage you, you might get some things you think, well, I'm not sure if that's, if that's right on the money, but actually God wants to, I believe, give us some really important things right now that are going to keep us on track with him through this year and encourage us when things are challenging. And then finally, as we share words with one another, maybe a friend here in, in the gathering, maybe it's a disciple or a small group, your household, your friends, we actually then stay accountable to what God is calling us to. It's, it's an act of faith and boldness to say, I think God's saying this over my life for this year.